Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have John McMahon and Ben Wang, who are the co-founders of a company called Cytokind. Cytokind is using light therapy, so think of UV, ultraviolet light, to increase your rate of success and survival on such things as COVID, multiple sclerosis, and other ailments like psoriasis. So we're going to be talking a lot about how UV light has gotten a bad rap and how they have done a lot of research backed by empirical data on how it's transforming lives. So don't go away. In this week's tech news, a real Silicon Valley story is Adobe bought Figma for $20 billion. Now, Figma is a design tool and did rival Adobe's XD product. Um, The combination is supposed to be to add to Adobe's portfolio and really to capture how many people are using Figma's easy-to-use, easy-to-navigate design for things like frameworking your product. Um, It's interesting to note because they want to know with Figma being worth $20 billion, what will companies like Canva or Sketch be worth since they also compete against Adobe in different spaces? Also, if you were a Tesla owner or you heard about Tesla, there is now a class action lawsuit by drivers who said that Tesla oversold its autopilot feature and that it really isn't autonomous. And just all these anecdotes about how it doesn't stop what it's supposed to do, it turns when you don't want it to, et cetera. Now, remember, I've talked about it before. There are different levels of autonomous driving, and no current automobile has reached fully autonomous where you can just trust your car to do everything for you. So something in between where we're at and where people want it to be is where Tesla is at. And so it's a feature people pay like $15,000 for, and now people are unhappy that it's not really fully autonomous. And our last tech news, the first ever plea agreement on insider trading related to cryptocurrency is that a Coinbase insider pled guilty to obtaining information about crypto assets before it hit the market, which is, of course, insider trading. Um, this is a relative of a Coinbase alleged Coinbase employee, and it's the first known case that's been settled. Um, I'm sure there'll be many more cases. It was just notable that this was the first. And that is the tech news of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with John McMahon, who is the chief technology officer, and Ben Wang, who is the chief science officer, and they're the co-founders of a company called Cytokind. And it's going to be really exciting today because we're going to talk about some innovations coming out in biotech. So welcome, guys. How are you? Uh, Great. Thanks. It's uh, nice to be here, Keith. Great to see you, Keith. Yep. Always great to see you. Uh, I've gotten a chance to get to know you in person and really love the work you're both doing. Cytokind, which is C-Y-T-O-K-Y-N-D, is an innovation using ultraviolet light to treat a number of ailments. And I think that's going to be really exciting to talk about today. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to get your backgrounds. I mean, both of you have been in the industry quite a while. 
So why don't we start with John? John, uh, before Cytokine, what are some of the things you've been working on? And then what led you to Cytokine? Well, um, my background, really the genesis in the field started for me when I was at Stanford. I was uh, an electrical engineer and realized uh, I was getting a master's in it. And I realized that I was not going to actually be an electrical engineer. It just needed so much more precision and care than I had. And they were just starting a biodesign program where they took engineers and, and interwove them into the workflow of clinicians and doctors and nurses as well. And out of that uh, exposure, I just fell in love with this opportunity to intersect with patients and clinicians and bring problems, identify problems and bring solutions forward. And, and uh, I've done that mostly in the cardiovascular field. And then as I've paid it forward with other Stanford biodesign companies, it sort of led us in this trajectory to, uh, to cite a kind uh, that we've done here with Ben. Interesting. And before we get over to Ben, so you thought you're going to be an electrical engineer, you crossed over. How common is that? I mean, I know we're all in Silicon Valley, or we come from Silicon Valley roots. How common is that for starting off electrical engineering and then uh, traversing into biotech? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I know biodesign and uh, two decades since I was there is really shown a, a phenomenal mix of engineers and researchers. And the, the, that that quest, that entrepreneurial sort of seed that you really want to go after something, right? That you're not afraid to, to try and do something from nothing. So I don't know if that was a really good fit for the rest of the electrical engineers in my class. Uh, I, uh, but um, I didn't think so. I think they were pretty much on their trajectory. I was still uh, finding my way. Yeah, well, I think that's a great story. I mean, I think that a lot of what we're seeing today, instead of silos, we're seeing interdisciplinary activities, and that's really how things are scaling faster. So thanks for sharing. I mean, I think that's a really interesting way your path forward from Stanford into biodesign. So thanks again, John. And Ben, over to you. So Ben, how did you get into this field? Well, I think our my story probably intersects with John's back at Stanford as well, too. Uh, where we both played on the ultimate Frisbee team. So uh, maybe there's an arc to all this. But I was a chemical engineer at, at Stanford and really loved chemical engineering. But what I love about chemical engineering is that you're a little bit, you're armed with the tools of a ninja. It allows you to apply so many different tools, uh, quantitative tools to solve a variety of different problems. So as a result, you feel, you find people in biotechnology, working clean energy, uh, semiconductors, et cetera. And so that's something uh, I've always really enjoyed. So uh, my career kind of got started early on in the biotechnology drug discovery process. I worked at a company called Caliber Life Sciences, where we hired new lab on a chip technologies to discover drugs much more rapidly. And uh, from those roots 20 years ago, as well as a personal uh, let's just call it a tragedy when I lost my wife to cancer in 2014, uh, kind of reinvigorated my desire to work in the biotechnology field. So before Cytokine, uh, I started a company called Chimera Bioengineering, where we wanted to develop novel new approaches for treating cancer in a way that did not strip dignity from the patients, much like the way that chemotherapy does. And it was this sort of intersection of what we did at Chimera, looking at the immune system, 
that when John approached me at the start of COVID uh, around this, the foundational ideas of what eventually became cytokine, which is what got me really interested. Um, and so uh, before Chimera, I worked in a optics company called Savaya that I had started. And what you'll hear about what we're doing at Cytokine marries the engineering of optics that we did there, as well as understanding and um, and reinvigorating the immune system, which is a lot of what we've been studying at Chimera. So it's it's a it's a long journey, but and roundabout, but here we are with John again. So it's been it's been quite the adventure. Yeah, I really appreciated um, sharing your story and the intersection with John's. Uh, first and foremost, I think uh, Ultimate Frisbee was probably the salient point in how you two met. And um, certainly I remember um, Ultimate back in the day. And I think that's just great way of building camaraderie, meeting each other. We're going to get into that story in the next segment. Before we move on, just because you made it really personal, Ben, um, I too know what it's like. My mother did not pass, but I know what it's like to go through uh, cancer treatments for loved ones. And so I think what's really exciting about what you and John and team are doing with Cytokine and when people hear about it is that it's you know really not invasive and that it's really something that um, people can do with dignity. So we'll get all into that, but that's what really made me interested in what you and John are working on. So a great start to the show. We'll come back in the next segment and find out more about the Cytokine story. Uh, you can go to Cytokine by going to C-Y-T-O-K-Y-N-D.com. Any questions or comments? I know we haven't gotten to the meat of it yet, but you can email us at info at svn.biz. And we'll be right back with Ben Wang and John McMahon, who are the co-founders of Cytokine. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have the co-founders of Cytokind, Ben Wang and John McMahon. Ben is the chief science officer and John's the chief technology officer. I thought I would ask you guys to start off with, I mean, a lot of what we're going to talk about is how Cytokine, one of the innovations is using ultraviolet light. Now, when I think about ultraviolet light, I think of sunburns at high intensity. So I wanted to ask you, with this application, what is ultraviolet light and how does it affect humans in this treatment? And should we be concerned? The, um, you should be concerned that you're not getting enough of it. It's actually the inverse. The, we are so much closer to plants. It's just fundamentally required for your bone health, for your bone maintenance, arguably your mental health, and definitely for your immune system to get sunlight and in particular to get ultraviolet light. Um, so the worry is, the, the well, I think of it as a pendulum. So there was a pendulum that swung over when they first found vitamin D and they thought it was this sort of panacea, right? So that comes from ultraviolet light, the same wavelength that we're focused on. And everyone then thought since everywhere you saw good results, good prognoses and good immunity in particular, you saw good vitamin D so that you could just then take it as a supplement. Um, that over the years in particular, it's been a very, uh, a lot of data in the past five years, it's shown that vitamin D only does what it does. It helps your bone systems, you know, it helps your endocrine system. 
and that there's some other underlying mechanism of action that the light that sunlight makes that speaks to your immunity. And so there, there is no study that shows a, uh, a detriment uh, to longevity by being out in the sun. In fact, there are studies that show you, in fact, will live longer the more sunlight you get. And that's from a 30-year follow-up of uh, 25,000 uh, Swedish nurses that showed a, a substantial increase in longevity if you just go outside more often than you than not. So it's it's really that that idea that sun is sunlight's bad for you. Now heavy sunburn is absolutely bad for you. So you know you just got to build up. You know it's, if you only got a two day vacation and you're heading to uh, heading to the beach, you know you're probably going to get roasted. But um, uh, this idea that we're doing is really just how you can speak to your immune system to help it help itself. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll have to ask some follow-up questions because uh, some cultures really do avoid direct sunlight. <laughs> so it'll be interesting um, how the research goes and how they respond to uh, this type of therapy and treatment. So thank you. Thanks for the answer. Uh, just a, a quick follow-up. So it's more than cultural, uh, you know, the that pendulum has made people want to cover up their children, uh, keep their children from a lot of sunlight exposure. And that's, uh, if we think of immune system as a muscle, not strengthening it when it's young is actually a, a generational risk, not just a cultural risk. No, that's what I was getting into. Certainly in my own culture, my own background, uh, sunlight, direct sunlight was bad. So that's just something that makes me think as uh, you and team are developing these treatments um, and people get more aware and how they are able to understand that there's a lack of sunlight, how they rationalize all of that. So I think that's going to be a really interesting uh, move forward just because it's something that, you know, since at least um, the 80s, we've been talking a lot about sunblock and it used to be suntan lotion when we were children I'm dating myself and then it became sunblock and you know now it's um it's just meant to prevent um any light absorption so this is where i'm just saying like there's gonna be a rewiring of how people think about it absolutely and what this is what's really interesting about a uh, approach that we're taking which is to be much more precise about the types of light that you're getting. Uh, when you hear John talk a little bit more about the therapeutic that we are delivering, we call it a narrow band form of ultraviolet light. That means that we can stimulate particular uh, proteins, molecules, cells in a very specific manner while giving you in, in biotechnology, we call it a therapeutic window. You, less chance of getting sunburn, less chance of getting other dermatological issues while getting the therapeutic sunlight precisely. This is uh, uh, the approach that we here in Silicon Valley really like to, to take, which is an engineered approach. Yep. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for the explanation. And John, thanks again for um, giving me more context and understanding of uh, how light and how we need more of it. So going back, uh, we didn't get to the part where we got to in the first segment about Ultimate Frisbee being pivotal and how you two came together. But we didn't get the rest of that story of how that um, interaction then led to because of cytokine, since you both were doing your own projects beforehand. Well, the I had been uh, I had the pleasure of supporting another biodesign uh, founder. Uh, 
Evan Anderson, and and he was doing, he actually had psoriasis. And so light phototherapy, this narrow band of ultraviolet light has been used for decades safely and effectively for psoriasis. And I didn't know when I joined the board, uh, and many people uh, I think don't know that psoriasis is actually an autoimmune disorder that manifests itself in a skin lesion. And he was, uh, as the trials were going for that product, they were getting some resounding results that that healed um, other areas of the body. So you got a bigger effect than you thought you would from, from the existing model. Shine a light on a lesion, heal that lesion. Well, adjacent lesions were also healing. And so there was something systemic. And so I started chasing what was this systemic response. And as we looked at that, we were really looking at some other massive autoimmune disease when COVID came along. And the aha moment was an early paper in Lancet out of, uh, out of Wuhan that showed the blood panels of COVID patients, those that were uh, recovering and those that were dying. And those blood panels looked a lot like a disease known as graft-versus-host disease. Um, and, and they have been treating that at the Mayo Clinic with this narrowband of UB light. So I picked up the phone. I called two people. I called Paul Yock, the founder of Stanford Biodesign. And he said, well, you're not any crazier than you were last time I talked to you. So I took that as a good sign. And then I called Ben Wang because of his work in cancer and CAR T cells. And, um, and that's what really brought us together. And, and Ben was open-minded to it. And, uh, and off we went. And I found it really provocative because when he did show me the data uh, that was coming out of some of the initial COVID patients in China, uh, those were reminiscent of a adverse event that we see in the field of CAR T's or chimeric antigen receptor T cell therapy, uh, where the immune system goes into overdrive. And so too much of a good thing is, is not necessarily a good thing. And this is what we see when the immune system gets dysregulated over-accelerated, that this was ultimately what would call, uh, that would lead to what uh, physicians would call ARDS, uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome. And that's what was hurting the patients. Mm -hmm. And the original work that that Evan had done and that the work that John had sort of chased down showed that the possibility of of this light therapy, being able to tamp down those in, that inflammation to, to kind of restrain or harden the immune system was what was really interesting to me. Uh, the idea that you could use a scalable, easy to use, um, five minute exposure to light that you could mitigate the worst effects of these, of these patients. And uh, he didn't need to tell me much more beyond that. Yeah, so um, this is very interesting. Uh, I know our show is going by really fast. So I wanna pause because I wanna get into uh, how you get access to these patients, especially the COVID part of it sounds where you're actually looking at data. And that's what I want to be really clear about is that this is all backed by data that you're analyzing in order to validate that this type of treatment does work. And I think that's important just to reinforce because a lot of times I think people are sold um, a lot of different types of therapies without much backing on that. So I think that the data is going to be really important to talk about when we come back. Absolutely. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, 
are John McMahon, who's the chief technology officer, and Ben Wang, who's the chief science officer. The co-founders of Cytokine, they're using UV light to treat some ailments such as COVID and MS and psoriasis. And uh, just been a really fascinating discussion. If you have any questions or comments, you can go to Cytokine's website, C-Y-T-O-K-Y-N-D.com, or you can email us at info at svn.biz. And I'll be right back with Ben and John. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My guests today are again, John McMahon, Chief Technology Officer, and Ben Wang, Chief Science Officer of a company called Cytokine. We've been hearing about how during COVID, all these academics and researchers, powerhouses in their own right, from institutions like Stanford, LSU, academies or universities all over the world got together because during COVID, they realized that ultraviolet light therapy did have a remarkable increase in survivability of such a disease uh, by just using industrial strength UVC light. So, Really early stage, they're talking about their process and methodologies, but I think it's super interesting, so don't go away. In this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk about the importance of patching. I talk about it quite frequently. So if you are an iOS or Apple iPhone user, uh, you may have access now to its iOS 16. I highly recommend you upgrade it if it's available to you because it addresses its most recent zero-day patch. So in this case, just to make it Uh, as easily understood as possible, is that for the second time in history, it was determined that a malware could get access to the kernel of an application that got to the kernel uh, privilege. And what this means is that even though you have all these apps on your iPhone, this one vulnerable app, once taken control, gave it access to executing bugs into other parts of the iPhone operating system, therefore infecting your entire phone. Now, upgrading to iOS 16 should take care of it, but it's more of just a reminder that as you start downloading apps, um, Apple, Android, these models of, hey, we have a platform, third parties can design their software to use our platform. Those third-party service providers, your game vendor, your foreign language translator, all those are from individual application developers, and you don't know how well each of them knows how to code software. So just to always be vigilant in anything that you're downloading or applying to your phone that you really want it on there and be aware that it might do things that you don't want it to. And so just, again, remember to stay vigilant. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with the co-founders of Cytokine, John McMahon, CTO, and Ben Wang, CSO. We've been talking about how they got together um, some time back at Stanford over Ultimate Frisbee, uh, both having done a lot in their careers alone and how they came together. And um, I wanted to, we were talking about clinical data right before we finished the last segment, which was really getting into how using UV light and some of the things that we're seeing in COVID patients in China. Uh, before we talk about the clinical data, I do want to reiterate, because oftentimes I'm really careful when I have people on my show, especially when it comes to health and wellness, because I'm not the expert in health and wellness, that this isn't um, some pseudoscience. This isn't that, hey, somebody thought, oh, just going out in light is going to work. There's 
really hard science and academics behind this. So I want to talk about this impressive team that you both have amassed and how committed they are to this type of research and their academic credentials. And then we'll get into the clinical data. So why don't we talk about some of the members of the team who kind of jumped on this project as soon as they thought about it? Well, you know, we approached, you know, pretty, uh, uh, you know, it was COVID. So if you, if you want to get in the fight, you could make masks, you could do this or do that. This was sort of a, an avenue for us as a virtual team, right? Because nobody was sort of getting together to assess experts. And so we dug through the data and we found uh, a, a study done by Prue Hart uh, for multiple sclerosis patients. She's in Australia, Perth, Australia. And so she had done a phase one 30 patient randomized trial. So, you know, one of the things I mentioned, a background in cardiovascular, all of that is randomized, you know, placebo controlled, if possible, trials. You know, even some sham control has to be done in cardiovascular. So we wanted to, you know, we wanted to really trial it ourselves. So, you know, we were firm believers. Um, and then one of the, the, as we talked to doctors from, you know, Columbia and Yale and uh, Denver, big hospitals during COVID, they, you could get them through the science, but they wanted a pill or an IV. And it wasn't until we found a doctor in Louisiana uh, at LSU, Dr. Frank Lau, who was really recognizing that vitamin D, which parallels this immune response, that vitamin D was parallel to whatever UV is making, uh, whatever this mechanism of action was. And he signed up. So we partnered with LSU to run a, a randomized placebo-controlled trial and and find out for ourselves, let the data speak for itself. Thanks. Yeah, and that's what really impressed me when I learned about what the work you're doing is that this team really virtually all jumped on to see how far this research goes and how it can be applied. So let's go back, Ben, because we started talking about the clinical data. Um, how do people assess clinical data? How's it gathered? How's it assessed? How do we know that uh, these treatments can be effective? Yeah, so um, sadly, with a high mortality uh, disease like COVID, um, um, that's one of our primary endpoints. How many people get better um, in a randomized control uh, trial? And so what we did was we ran a, a small study, 30 patients, 15 in a placebo arm, a, pl a placebo light arm, uh, and um, and 15 in a, in a therapeutic light arm. Otherwise, they were treated effectively the same. We wanted these patients to be taken care of, given steroids if they needed that. All that we changed was a small five-minute exposure to light for a, every day for about a week. Now, the patients were already pretty sick. They tended to be older. They had an, at least one other comorbidity, and they were already hospitalized. But the results of this experiment showed that we were able to reduce mortality with the, with the patients in the treatment arm versus the placebo arm by 60%. And so those were the numbers uh, that we were able to save lives just by shining roughly 40 minutes of total light onto these patients while they stayed in the hospital over the course of a week. And so that, of course, is our number one metric. We care about our patients. We want to, we, we want them uh, to, to actually come up with a better health outcome. But along the way, we as part of our protocol, we also took a number of different samples from these patients so that these samples could be analyzed. Uh, and 
uh, we've also partnered with uh, a tremendous group out of Baylor University, uh, Dr. Andrew DiNardo, who is a world expert in tuberculosis. So again, bringing in uh, orthogonal expertise, who has a suite of tools that we call omics. They look at DNA, they look at the epigenome, they look at protein to be able to analyze the samples that we were accumulating from the, the study. And those are the key triggers or the key markers, we call them biomarkers, to be able to understand what is happening with these patients who are surviving and thriving versus those who perhaps don't do as well. And that's where we get really excited at Cytokine, being able to tease out both the mechanism and identify potentially therapeutics from those experiments uh, that we could then uh, use to explain what the uh, effect of the light is. That's great. So 40 minutes of light. So then how do you convert uh, what was done, in essence, as a test, the light that you're using in these tests to actually what you're producing for Cytokine and what you'll be producing um, in a commercialized way? So we partnered with, for efficiency, we partnered with the global leader in phototherapy lights. And they, uh, they love manufacturing lights and they hate doing clinical trials. So it's turned out to be a very uh, successful partnership. So we didn't, uh, we used existing devices. We modified them to work. So the patient didn't even need to get out of the bed. So these, as Ben alluded to, one of the things we had seen in the literature was the worse off you are, the better response you are. Uh, and so we actually went after very high risk patients because we wanted a high mortality rate in the control group so that we could see our signature. Now I've done seven trials in cardiovascular medicine and death was never an endpoint, a, a target endpoint, right? You're looking at surrogates or trying to predict it. This is as hard as endpoint as you can get it. And this was 28 day mortality. So, you know, we mentioned Prue Hart, but we also had doctors from the UK, uh, Austria, um, uh, the Mayo, University of Wisconsin had all done these trials before. And this was, they were super excited to see the results. Uh, ben alluded to this collaboration with uh, Andrew DiNardo. And I think that's a really, if we look at where we can take this and where its potential is, um, you know, he, I was in the conversation when Dr. DiNardo and Ben were speaking and Dr. DiNardo said, if we're not going to make the, if we're going to really do something big, we should treat this like a new cancer drug. And so all those omics tools Dr. DiNardo and his team at the Infectious Disease Lab at Baylor, they look at those, they use them all the time to figure out who's a responder, who's a non-responder, how to you know, do precision medicine. And that's never been done for phototherapy. So we are in that process of going through that. And that's really, you know, a transformational piece. I'd also say that that really hasn't been done in treating the the plethora of, of chronic diseases like psoriasis, like multiple sclerosis, like Alzheimer's, like uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And so this is a really novel approach uh, and an entry point to be able to create more precision about what, what, what treatments should be used for these different populations of people. Got it. And, and just out of my own curiosity, uh, picking these groups that might have high mortality rates. Um, how do you convince 
Is it a research hospital? How do you convince a hospital to actually use? Because I, I only know how hard it is to only do trials and how to get things in. How is it that you're able to so rapidly get your um, uh, trial therapy into these hospitals for use? Well, we on the business side, we need collaborations. And Dr. Frank Lau and his team at LSU, they did the work. And they're the real heroes of this data set. Those and the patients that were willing to sign up uh, for the trial, because that's how we learn, right? We have a fundamental uh, anitis for great discovery from 30 patients and the physicians that trusted, trusted the idea. Now, they did it through uh, Delta. They also did it through the hurricane in New Orleans. They did it actually at the hospital known as West Jefferson. Um, and the West Jefferson Medical Center. And they really deserve the credit for, for how we got to this point, because you know we're all talk and ideas until you find someone that, that'll, that'll do that. And one nugget here um, for that, what uh, the head of the chief medical officer at West Jefferson, we had dinner with him before the trial started and he had gotten COVID and he's pointed to himself and he says, you know, I'm not, I'm a very high risk patient. And he said he had laid in his uh, pools with a hundred foot line of oxygen. And that's the, when he finally started to feel better when he just laid outside in his pool. So, you know, you, uh, a little bit of happen, a uh, little bit of um, uh, intersections between what you're doing and what people believe were helpful. So he, he was, willing to sign up for it with Dr. Lau and, and they deserve all the credit. And kind of, kind of going to the whole Silicon Valley thing. I think it's all about collaboration. It's a uh, two independent parties with, with different expertises aligned around a common idea. And we can see this happening and being deployed uh, in places like you know, here in LSU. Um, and I think uh, the, the collaborative aspect can't be un undersold. All right. Well, thanks again. When we get back in our last segment of the show today, I'm going to want to talk about how, what applications you've really thought of and then what the future looks like for this type of therapy and others. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. Uh, on my show today are Ben Wang and John McMahon, the co-founders of Cytokind. You can find out more information about Cytokind at C-Y-T-O-K-Y-N-D.com or email us at info at svn.biz and we'll be right back to close the show. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders, welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Ben Wang, who is the Chief Science Officer, and John McMahon, who are the Chief Technology Officer, and they are the co-founders of Cytokind. Uh, today, we've been talking about how Cytokine is using UV light to treat some pretty persistent disorders uh, such as MS, Alzheimer's. Um, they had a really interesting trial with COVID patients and talked about their success backed by data and the team they've amassed to work on uh, these type of therapies. So welcome back, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us again. Um, yep. Yeah, thanks. I mean, Silicon Valley is all about innovation. I am openly not um, an expert in biotech, but I, I, am, I am human. I would like to take advantage of these therapies. And it was just really interesting when I was learning about what you were doing, just because 
uh, what we talked about earlier. Um, therapies can suck sometimes, and it's all meant to be better for you. And I think um, what's interesting is once you get past what you're doing with UV light, and as we said before, sometimes we just think about UV as a byproduct of radiation from the sun and what's good and what's bad about that, that you think about how that can actually be used as real therapies and treatments. So with the time left I have today, I wanted to talk about uh, what we've discussed so far, um, applications of COVID, MS, uh, psoriasis. What are some other things that we can look forward to with this type of treatment? And what are some other treatments that are related that we'll be seeing in the near future? Maybe we can zoom out first, which is that the immune system is the most powerful medicine system that nature has evolved, created for us. And what we've seen from the field of cancer immunotherapy is that by messing with and toying and engineering the immune response, you what were once fatal cancers are now eminently treatable. And there are drugs called checkpoint inhibitors and there are CAR T cells that are now being developed to do that. Well, it turns out the immune system can govern all of this. It's not just cancer. It could be hypertension. It can be these uh, autoimmune diseases that we've been talking about between Alzheimer's, psoriasis, and multiple sclerosis. It can even be for longevity. And so the ability for us to be able to leverage a technology and precisely be able to help tune up a patient's immune system, this means that we can treat virtually everybody. In fact, the CDC has said that roughly one in two people suffer from some chronic illness uh, here in the United States, which means that what, what cytokine can do by continuing to aggregate data, by continuing to treat patients, we can not only mitigate the illnesses for these 130 million adults here in the United States, but we can also provide a shift away from treating disease towards promoting wellness, a, a shift from treating illness to, to creating wellness and promoting that for all Americans and all people around the world by being able to deliver the right therapeutic light uh, to, to those people. No, I think those are really, really good points there, Ben. One of the aspects that we've, so for COVID, we did a very acute treatment, right? Short, high dose this opportunity to go to a chronic delivery. So for against chronic disorders, you would want a chronic therapy. And so that opportunity to do that in the at-home setting is something that we were trying to do to apply for some chronic diseases. But the moonshots within this um, that we look at it for to really to be that are on the horizon is, you know, there's, a responder and a non-responder to every therapy. And every time we learn that discrimination, we can improve with precision medicine a treatment. And we know, at least in the applications of psoriasis, that in a meta-analysis that 90% of the trials have all shown on your regular biological drugs that adding light to, to patients improved their outcomes. And the one study that wasn't positive was neutral. So we have a safe, effective sort of uh, health equity opportunity here. Um, and it's really exciting. And with Ben and the team on the OMIC side to start uncovering what is the thing, what is those mechanism of actions, and maybe 
potentially put it in a bottle and get to true health equity for immunity uh, is a really fundamental opportunity to impact a lot of patients. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ben. With just the one minute we have left on today's show, and we'll definitely have to have you guys back because it's a really interesting field of study. You know, given your research, uh, fundraising, when is it that people will see these therapies come to market? Well, that's a great question. We have, uh, we're in the final stages of a discussion from BARDA, uh, which is a government uh, group to do our phase two of the COVID study. And we're doing outreach for the MS trials. And, you know, coming back to the Bay Area, I live on the East Coast now, but, you know, UCSF is a phenomenal center for MS. So we, uh, we're, we're looking forward to being in the clinic soon. And, you know, finding the right partners as we did for COVID, finding the right partners for MS. And, and uh, you know, Ben's expertise is, is going to be a big part of that. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for being here. Ben, thank you so much again. And like I said, I'm going to have you back because it's just something that is really on the leading edge. Really, I, and I can't wait to hear more. So thank you. Thank you. And thank, thank you, you to Keith. all your listeners. Thanks, Keith. Sure. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Special guests today are Ben Wang and John McMahon, co-founders of Cytokine. More information about what they're working on, you can go to their website, cytokynd.com. Email us at info at svn.biz, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN.